Hello, and welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. We have gone on an epic journey through the symbolism of the 78 cards of the tarot deck, and in this season, we are applying esoteric filters to the deck, examining it through a variety of astrological, cabalistic, numeric, and other lenses. This week, we're continuing our 10-part series on number, which will allow us to look at the many roles that number plays in tarot, whether in the 1 through 10 numeric minors, or in the numbered major arcana, or even in the court cards, which, believe it or not, also each have number correspondences. Focusing on number will also allow us to have a closer look at the 10 sephirot of the Tree of Life, which is good because Kabbalah is probably one of the more challenging esoteric subjects we tackle on this podcast, and we could all use a bit more time to wrangle some of its subtleties. And remember, if you're diving in at random and one of us says something inscrutable, we do have lots of resources to help with that on our website www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, where you can sign up and get access to all of that content for as little as a dollar. There are also a couple of other places where you can check in with us online. You can visit Mel at tabulamundi.com, and you can visit me at tsusanchang.com. You can also join over 450 smart, nice, and most importantly, like-minded friends at the Fortunes Wheelhouse Academy group on Facebook. As you know, each episode we have a giveaway. Last week, our prize for the seventh of our numeric episodes went to Megan in Georgia. This week, we're talking about the very systematic and organized number eight, the number of the eight Wiccan Sabbaths, the compass rose, the channels of consciousness, and many other theories of everything. For this week's giveaway, I'm offering our winner a signed copy of my own theory of everything, the book known as Tarot Correspondences, Ancient Secrets for Everyday Readers. In it, you will find all the charts, diagrams, and tables that visually organize the esoteric content we talk about on this show, as well as practical chapters that teach you how to use this vast storehouse of information in your readings. If you don't want to trust to fate to obtain your copy, you can easily purchase one anywhere you normally buy books, but I highly recommend you go to bookshop.org, which is a new online site for independent booksellers who are trying to keep their businesses afloat in these unprecedented times. That's bookshop.org. And I see they even have a $3 discount on tarot correspondences. What's not to love? Stay safe, everybody. Stay healthy and stay at home. And now here's this week's episode. everybody. Here we are back again with numeric episode number eight uh, in the time of coronavirus. I was just thinking it was really funny. On I was the thinking, Ides of March. <laughs> yes, on the Ides of March, too. <laughs> recording. Yes, exactly. I, I saw this funny meme where Julius Caesar says, hey, we survived Friday the 13th, Brutus. <laughs> but I was thinking that this is kind of appropriate in the sense that like, if you think about the seven of cups as everybody getting sick, and then the eight of cups as the remedy, just walk away, social distancing, <laughs> isolation, yeah, right. walk away. So that's where we are in eight land right now, all of us each in our separate compartments. Um, bubbles. We should all like have personal hamster wheels so they can, we can roll out and talk to the people. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so eights, which is kind of appropriate because here we are in eight land, which is where we are relying on infrastructure and systems to save us. Um, the eights are, of course, the numeric minors, which are eights. So the eight of wands being the lord of swiftness, the eight of cups being indolence or abandoned success the Eight of Swords being Interference or Shortened Force, 
and the Eight of Discs or Pentacles being the Lord of Prudence. Then we'll be talking about the Major Arcana by number and reduced meaning the, uh, well, this is complicated because the eight in Rider Waite is strength, whereas the eight in uh, in Thoth is adjustment, otherwise known to uh, Rider Waite folks as uh, justice. So we have strength, lust, and justice adjustment, or maybe we should just say strength and adjustment. Yeah, Since, probably. Yeah, less confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less confusing, just to make it clear which version we're talking about, which will be obvious from the name. And then, much less confusing, in a way, is the star, which is 17. So 1 plus 7 equals 8. And then Healing. all the connections to Hode, the majors. And all the connections to Hode in the majors, exactly. So we have there the hanged man, uh, the devil, the tower, the sun, and judgment or eon. All right, so let's talk eights, the Ogdoad. Yeah. <laughs> the stop sign. So so eights are also mystical. Like every number, it's special, but not nearly as um, kind of multifarious as the seven was. It's a little simpler being mm-hmm. an even number and very stable, much more stable anyway, even though it's still off the center and low on the tree. Exactly. And I think what Crowley says is that the fault is less than the seven because it's it's trying to remedy the seven's effort. I, I don't know if I always buy that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think yeah, they're kind of equal. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. But it is just pictorially even a much more stable looking number yes whether you write it out as an actual numeral or whether you write it out as a collection of dots it's much more stable than the seven as people with a connection to hermeticism i think that eight is a little bit special to us because it is the sphere of mercury it is Mm -hmm. the sphere of hermes and all of these you know, esoteric tarot and the correspondences we study, that's hermetic material. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of home base in some ways. Yeah. So models of eight that we run across. Well, I guess for Nabel's arrangement, we have the points idea of thought. We talked about how um, it was the yeah, points idea the of points bliss last time. Idea of knowledge or chit. Okay, so knowledge or thought, chit as being that central part of the idea of sat chit ananda, uh, sat being the idea of being, in, which is associated with the nine, uh, knowledge or thought being chit uh, associated with itself, the, I guess, mm-hmm, could, mm-hmm. could also be thought of as consciousness. Yeah. Which thought, I mean, yeah, same thing, but mm-hmm. yeah. For sure. And then uh, seven was the point's idea of bliss, ananda. So uh, again, just reiterating that these three belong together. But although when you think about the phrase, the point's idea of thought, I mean, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. Even it sounds a little three. redundant, the idea it does, of thought. <laughs> <laughs> or knowledge, the idea of knowledge. Right, right. Yeah. Those, that phrase, the point, you know, belonging to the point like that has something to do with the fact that everything we experience down here is seven, eight, nine, and 10 in these realms is distorted, you know, it's just an idea of something. It's not the actual thing. If for the yeah. for the actual thing itself, you got to go higher up the tree. So some of the eight eightfold models, there's the eight-spoked wheel of the year, of course, with the four cardinal and intercardinal points, the four holidays and the four cross-quarter holidays. We have the uh, the bagua of the I Ching, the trigrams. Yeah, right. There's also 24 runes, which is a multiple of eight. So there's 64 teaching mm-hmm. hexagrams and 24 runes, both of which are, you know. Based on systems of eight. Yeah. Yep. Then there's cool. a magic eight ball, you know. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No. Maybe. Ask again later. Better not tell you now. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. I think there's a Wikipedia page that lists all the responses a magic eight ball can give you. I haven't looked at it in a while, though. Oh, that's great. (laughs) I I remember them, though. (laughs) The the paths of Wicca, the Gardnerian paths, there are eight of those, too. This is kind of based on the eightfold model of consciousness or the eightfold channels. Um, They are meditation, trance, rites, uh, opening the gates, which is a euphemism for drugs, um, dance, uh, control, meaning yoga poses, discipline, 
um, and the great right, which is sex. Um, so. Did you mention the eight directions? Oh, right. uh, I think, it, yeah, like at of the, the beginning. Compass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cardinal okay. and intercardinal. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. There's also the Egyptian eight parts of the soul, which I thought was interesting. Oh. And um, those are physical, spiritual, the heart, the double, the personality, the shadow, the form, and the name. That's so fascinating. And then the Egyptians also had the eight primordial gods out of which, you know, the whole universe was built from chaos. Um, there were four mm. pairs, male and female, and the uh, the males had frog heads and the females had serpent heads, but the pairs were uh, hay and I'm not sure if I'll pronounce these right, hay mm-hmm. and hahet, which have to do with infinity and fire, the element fire, kuk and karket, uh, darkness and earth, noon and nonet, the waters. The waters of chaos and mm-hmm. Amun and Amunet, air this... and the invisible and hidden, the hidden ones, the invisible oh, things. How interesting. Wow. So they came in sort of male female pairs, you're saying? Yeah, they came in male female mm-hmm. pairs. And also, those eight, there was also eight male female pairs similarly um, in Babylonian mythology. So those mm-hmm. would be Abzu and Tiamat, Lamu and Lahamu, Engar and Kishar and Anu and. Uh, Nudimod. I'm not sure about pronunciation. Yeah, again. who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Well, it's interesting that in in all these systems of eight, you always have the thing in its opposite. You know, the thing in mm-hmm. its polar polar counterpart. Like, um, I've heard that the eight was the number of Dionysus, but also of Apollo. Interestingly, so the those two strains of thought, the Ap- Apollonian and the Dionysian, oh, the sort of right. orderly right. versus the ecstatic, they're both in yep, there. Yeah, that's like the seven and the eight. Agrippa mentions, well, this is just a thing that circumcision, the rite of circumcision takes place on the eighth day. Um, and getting out, go- out yeah, <laughs> might as well just mention it, though. Uh, <laughs> a little weird little factoid about Dionysus, you know, he has this connection with the Isle of Naxos, because he washed up there and uh, met up with Ariadne there, who later became his consort. Anyway, but there's a myth that, so the Greeks believed that the seventh month was the month of viability for an infant, you know, gestating, gestation. Like if it were delivered in the seventh month, it would survive, but that in the eighth, it wouldn't. However, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, but, but the women of Naxos, because Naxos, because of the, I guess, blessing of Dionysus, could safely give birth in the eighth month. Huh. <laughs> because, yeah, because it was his number, which is just kind of interesting. There's a couple other eight things um, we could mention, too, just while we're on this, like, whole number association part of the episode. So there's populus, you know, the Mm -hmm. the geomantic figure with eight points. Maximum um, points. Having to do with the people. Yeah, the maximum number of points allowed, really. Eight was really an important number to Crowley because of the association with Het which is 418 in full if you spell out Het, the gematria, which was a really important number of the great work to him. And he called eight the number, uh, the great number of redemption, a number he goes on and on about in 777 as really being associated with the great work and the connection of the microcosm and macrocosm. And, And in that section under eight, he calls eight the great number of redemption. Which is interesting in terms of the idea of the eight being like a remedy for the seven. Exactly. Redemption and remedy as a sort of rebalancing of the tree. Exactly. And you know, what's interesting is that, you know, he had, we talked about the number 666, special to Crowley, number of the beast, 777, number of Babylon, and 888 is supposed to be the number, number of Christ. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but 888 is the number of Christ. And I don't actually know what tradition that comes from, but I think it's uh, it's not something you hear about a lot. Yeah, that's, I've seen that, though. That's definitely part of the archetypal history of eight yeah mm-hmm. i think that's actually in also listed in that gematria section of 777 that i think so yeah in the last yeah. episode it, it lists aaa as a number of christ and under eight i think it says the ogdode the intellect also change in stability yes and then it says derived from two and three by multiplication or two to the third power 
Um, right, right. The father degraded to mere animal reason. The father degraded to man, ma- to, to mere animal to, reason? To, to mere animal reason. What is mere animal reason, I, think, I wonder? Well, I guess, yeah. I guess, you know, there's sort let's of... See, let me find that section, though, because here, here it is. So, the, really so if you go to yeah. that section, it's on mm-hmm. uh, page 28. So it has z- zero, the cosmic egg. Mm-hmm. One, the self of deity beyond fatherhood and motherhood. Mm-hmm. Two, the father. Three, the mother. Four, the father made flesh, authoritative mm. and paternal. Mm-hmm. Five, the mother made flesh, fierce and active. Six, the son, partaking of all of these natures. Seven, the mother degraded to mere animal emotion. Eight, the father degraded to mere gotcha. animal reason. Mm-hmm. Nine, the son degraded to mere animal life. Ten, the daughter fallen and touching with her hands the shells. Mm. So that's the sequence. That, that makes from. sense. That makes sense. Although it's interesting how the seven and the eight flip, right? Flip from the father has all along been on the pillar of force and the mother on the pillar of form. And then they they kind of switch in the seven yep. and the eight. They do. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. But I think that's intentional yeah <laughs> so yeah reflection yeah and it says that after this it says it will be noticed that this order represents creation as progressive degeneration which we are compelled to think of as evil huh uh, there's this whole set there's way too much to read here but that whole section that starts on page 27 and goes for like 20 pages is really interesting reading on all this stuff yeah and 777 he he goes through all these different ways of breaking down the numbers one through 10, similar to the way he does in the Naples arrangement, but in different mm-hmm. wordings. And mm-hmm. it's very enlightening. And it sort of gives a glimpse into where the Naples arrangement comes from. Yeah. Yeah. The, different ways of saying the same thing. I've also heard of the number eight, and this may be from Westcott, I don't remember, but um, justice and fullness. It's the number of justice and fullness because of the way it divides equally into even numbers, which is interesting because of that long history of justice, the major arcana as number eight. Just when we were on correspondences, mm-hmm. one of the plant, do you, have you heard of moly? Yes. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So that was the plant correspondence. And I thought that was interesting because that's uh, the plant that protects gives to Ulysses to counteract yes. the spells of Cersei. Which That's right. It's in- really interesting that the spells of Cersei sounds very much like the Seven. It's, it totally you know? does, and the and the and what the spell of yeah. Cersei did was it created, uh, it transformed the men into swine. It created that glamour. It, it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> lack of glamour. <laughs> I, don't know, I thought that was a really interesting like um, correspondence yeah. in terms of how we're talking about how the Seven and Eight contrast each other yeah moly as a as holy moly um moly as an herb i think (laughs) you know is supposed to dispel illusion it's a it's an herb of reason and therefore an herb of mercury yeah that's just fascinating one thing that yoav bendov the great tarot de marseille scholar said about eights is that they represent the ability to distinguish details and systems um and rational constructions which is something that we see a great mm-hmm. deal more of in the eight. It's a number of systems and and organization. Yeah, it's all the, those inspirations of the seven somehow have to get organized into something coherent um, mm-hmm. through sometimes words and thoughts. <laughs> or know, symbols. It's, it's corralling yeah. those really, f- yeah, freeform dreams or symbols or inspirations into something that can be explained there's a at least the appearance of logic <laughs> to create sense at least the appearance of sense there was one more um correspondence that i thought was interesting from 777 is is it associated the um unicorn with the eight it called it uh, monokeros de astris or the unicorn of the stars mm-hmm. and it's i guess that's the title of the the practicus grade which is associated with hode mm. and under monokeros de astris it said the horn and the speed are masculine well, it's white with silver collar, our feminine aspects, you know, it was kind of in the sense that, you know, Mercury is a hermaphrodite. There's yeah. a lot of dual nature going on uh, in the eight and stuff. And it said the collar was inscribed, Linea Viridis Gyrat Universa, 
or which translates to something like, you know, the wind blowing down the green line, you know, that, mm-hmm. that we've mm-hmm. talked in other episodes about the green line of the universe, mm-hmm. um, how Venus, and again, it brings in Venus, this connection with the seven, you know, the, um, so yeah. this this unicorn symbol is connecting like the seven and the eight in 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 one thing. Right. The idea right. of the green line right. around the universe is very Venusian. How yeah. how how the symbol of Venus connects all the the tree. Mm-hmm. But also, if you draw the if you draw the symbol yes. on the tree, it connects all of them. Exactly. But also the idea of Mercury or Hermes as the unification, the hermaphroditic uh, unification of both yes. of them in the doubleness of the eight. Yeah. That's yep. really interesting. And so, yeah, it, you, it, mm-hmm. that was one of the correspondences was a hermaphrodite. Another one mm-hmm. was twin serpents, like we see in the Caduceus. That's mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. kind of similar expression. We've started talking about tree a little bit. Shall we do a little bit more Kabbalah? Well, we should probably do the, yeah, the, probably do the Kabbalah virtues. Kind of correspondence Kabbalah versus the cards Kabbalah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So, okay. yeah. We talked a lot about the difference between Netzach and Hod last time, but just some uh, reiteration, I guess, since people may be just tuning into the eight. The um, Netzach we talked about as being that world of feelings. Um, it's it's undifferentiated versus the the intellect of Hod, the differentiated and individual, the Netzach being the group consciousness versus the Hod being more of the individual consciousness. Uh, Netzach being the Orphic or ecstatic path versus the Hermetic path of Hode. Visions of Netzach versus divination style prophecy. Uh, yeah, prophecy you, you, you mentioned mm-hmm. um, the Apollonian and um, Apollonian. Dionysian. Yeah. And yeah. and that reminded, they, they both have a lot to do with music. Like there's the ecstasy oh, yeah, of music that's true. Yeah. and the mm-hmm. seven notes, but then there's the musical octave, which is when you repeat the next one. Exactly. And, and Apollo was the god of music or one of them. And the idea also, we talked kind of about Netzach and Hod as both being that plurality of consciousness, the armies of God. So in Netzach, that being kind of the differentiation of force, emotional forces, the warring drives and feelings, whereas in Hode, we kind of synthesize new forms, we create symbol systems and maps, the thing that allows us to navigate. Competing Mm -hmm. ideas, you know? Yeah. Like the monkey mind thing. Ooh, and also, um, because Hode is the fifth day, that is when, you know, the creator introduced all manner, all variety of creatures, all the species differentiation. Hode is our ability to conceptualize, to create abstractions. So like if, if I'm driving to your house, you know, I can do it because I know that I have to go north and I have to go east and I have to go around the reservoir and I have to take this route and this, you know, Route 202, all these different things because of the map in my head. Every map that mm. we make is a function of Hode. Every language that we learn, every ability to communicate is based on these abstract concepts that we are constantly generating. Oh, and the virtue and vice are tr- virtue of truthfulness, right? Or honesty? Yep. Versus the vice. And then the vice is false. Dishonesty. Yeah. <laughs> yes, on- dishonesty. And you know, and that's so interesting because that reminds me of that um, story of Plato that we talked about way, way, way back in probably the Magus or Magician or something like that, where where we talked about how the the gods created... Uh, when when the god of language, you know, whether you want to call it Thoth or Hermes or whatever, devised language and came to to boast about it, this was viewed as a great tragedy because with language, nothing can ever be purely truthful anymore. (laughs) Everything is a distortion. On um, On the one hand, language is the one tool we have to communicate truth to one another. And yet, on the other hand, it is always untruthful. It's always slippery. It's slippery. It's slippery. And the other thing I thought that was interesting is most of the gods that are associated with, you know, our tricksters and stuff, you know, Hermes, Uh Odin, oh, who, by the way, rode a eight-legged horse, Odin. Oh, right. Uh, Sleipnir, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yep. They're all tricksters, except it's really interesting. Thoth, he didn't have any trickery in him, mm, really. Mm, Not that yeah. I can see. I don't see any trickery in Thoth. 
yeah. my experiences with that with that god. <laughs> mm, yeah. And or, or Anubis for that matter. He doesn't mess around either. But yeah. Mm-hmm. The Egyptians concept of Mercury was different in that way. Uh, less distrustful of the nature of language. Yeah, perhaps. Or symbol or whatever you may call it. That's interesting. Yeah, not to mention their devotion to magical practice, which is a uh, concept of the eight as well. Right. One association with Hode is the idea of humility, the idea that in divination, there is an indirect transmission from the divine, whereas in Netzach, it's like a direct download. It's an ecstatic, inspirational download, whereas in, in Hode, it's sort of like there's always a layer of interpretation and and trying to make sense of things because you recognize that you're you don't have that direct connection to the divine. So, you know, they're one of the symbols of Hode I read somewhere, I can't remember, it was probably in um Colin Lowe, that hermetic Kabbalist, is the idea that, you know, it's the the downturned head. <laughs> you know, the uh the praying head, the one that yeah. that that looks downward to the symbols to try and figure out what the god is saying rather than upward. Um the weapon? What's the weapon? The names and versicles and uh, the apron. Ah, the apron, yes, yes, covering the genitals. The, the, the... <laughs> Yeah, the apron not only covers the genitals, which I guess are more kind of uh isod thing, but mm-hmm. they also the apron also explains it by its symbolic design, which I think is a, a kind mm. of whole thing. It's Very like, much so. Yeah. And then the names and versicles are trying to explain the logos in 3D terms and uh but it it <laughs> mentioned that the 8 as being 2 to the third power kind of being related to that because of hokma you know to the third power 3D so it was trying to explain the logos in 3D terms <laughs> that oh what, that's interesting what, what 8 is doing so that's the names and verticals so i thought that was kind of cool and then it's the vision of splendor which is, of course, one of the translations of the name Ezekiel. Hode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the vision of Ezekiel. And um, and the illusion, this is interesting, the illusion of Netzach is projection and the illusion of Hode is order. Cliffoff is a false accuser. So again, falsehood, uh-huh. you know. I'm looking at Garden of Pomegranates. I just pulled it out because uh, just for fun. And I see the thing about the plant being moly. Its vegetable drug is Anhelonium bluwinii. I don't know what What's, that is. What is that? Well, it says, which causes when taken internally visions of color rings and of an intellectual nature enhancing self-analysis. Of I don't color, really. color rings or color yeah. rings? Color rings. Colored rings. Yeah, I don't know. Never heard of Anhelonium luwinii. Maybe yeah. that's a Latin name, and we just or there's a more common name that we would. There know. must be. There must yeah. be here. I'm just gonna enter it really quick just to look. Anhelonium luwinii, homeopathic remedy. The regular name for it's a small huh. cactus. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, oh, is it? Is it peyote? It's peyote. That's what I was it's wondering. It's peyote. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you have it. Peyote is the uh, vegetable drug of Hode. Interesting. Hmm. Archangel. Last correspondence. Okay. Um, uh, I've seen. I've seen um, Raphael. I've seen Mikhail. And you know, but Raphael isn't Raphael usually Tiferet? I get confused with yeah, the those, angels, I have to tell you. I do too. But I think there's there's definitely sometimes some switching between the two because, mm-hmm. well, you know, Mercury and Sun. So, you know, it kind of makes sense that they sometimes yeah. switch. But it's one of those. All right. Um, colors? Yeah, violet purple in the king's scale. So mm-hmm. um, orange in the queen scale. Red russet in the... Prince or Emperor scale and yellowish brown flecked white in the Princess or Empress scale. Right. So and again, we get the secondary color of uh, orange in the mm-hmm. uh, Queen scale, which is the color you would see on the Minutum Mundum diagram. Mm-hmm. Which is the combination of the red of Givora and the yellow of Tiferet. Yes. The two yeah. preceding Sephiro. Right. So uh, shall we talk majors? Sure. Ooh, we've got strength or we've got adjustment. Hmm. Mm. That's interesting. 
Well, well, having adjustment in the star versus uh, strength in the star. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I use those more, so I kind of prefer that just in the sense that they're both air signs, and this is mm. a very, you know, mm-hmm. sign, you know, sign of reason, the mind, air signs, thinking. So it kind of, I liked that having Libra and Aquarius there. Yeah, it does make it does make a kind of intuitive sense, um, and Mercury being inherently airy as well. I think. Yeah. Yeah. As far as strength and the star go, I mean, though they're, they're clearly both aspects of the goddess. Um, yeah. And the strength Which card... Which makes sense for Mercury as ruler of Virgo. Yeah, and they're opposites, too. They're Leo-Aquarius. So, again, there's that sort of polar thing mm-hmm. going on, which we often have in eight. Yep. You know, the, you have the thing right. and its opposite. Yeah, that makes sense, too, in a way. Mm-hmm. And strength itself goes between the two pillars. Literally has an eight in the form of the infinity sign on it. Right. In terms of the sort of qualitative aspects of the number eight, I think the strength card can express that as a moral fortitude, right? Which is something we really see in the Rider-Waite-Smith more than in Lust. But it's more of this idea that you apply, you. it's a virtue that you apply, it's something that you... Oh, there's a quality of modesty and humility that is part of Hode that's expressed in the aspect of strength we see in Rider-Waite-Smith. There's a sort of like purity and humility overcoming the appetites mm-hmm. kind of thing going on. Yep. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. And then the star, in terms of its relationship to eight, well, one thing that we always see on the star just literally represented is that eight-point star, which is which is it's kind of a way of reconciling the seven and the eight, really, because that's, whereas we have the seven-point star of Babylon, we have the eight-point star of Astarte and uh, Lakshmi, I think. So, you know, the star literally... not use mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. strength or adjustment, they're either, either pair, yeah. but they're all aspects of the goddess. They all are. They, all, they absolutely are. Yeah. And you can see on Rider-Waite-Smith star that, Every single one of those stars, there are eight of them, and they each have eight points. So that's a pointing back to Hode as well. And they all are, you know, forms of the goddess, as you said. Yeah, which is, you know, weird, because you expect that in the seven and maybe less so in the eight. But it is the it is the feminine pillar. But, it, but it's that it's that mm-hmm. duality thing. Like in mm-hmm. the seven, there was so mm-hmm. much connection to Mars and the mm-hmm. masculine. Where here we have all this connection to Venus and the feminine. It's like this recipro- reciprocal thing going on down at the bottom of the tree. That's absolutely true. Where things are increasingly mixed, so mm-hmm. the game of matchy match becomes more and more complicated <laughs> as you go down. And yeah, yeah, and you cannot really separate one from the other. So, yeah, so Sephira leading to and from Hode, got Hanged Man, Devil, Tower, Sun, and Eon or Judgment. Sun and Eon. I mean, the keyword I use for eights is realization. It has so many different ways to be defined, but I think all of which kind of pick up on the, the nature of eight and Hode, the idea that you know, to to realize something is both to make it real and also for it to have a reality in your mind. It could be material reality, mm. but it could also be mental reality, intellectual reality, which is of the nature of Hode and the nature of magic, too. It's sort of like Hode is this moment where if we talk about as above, so below, well, we're, we're practically all the way below now, um, channeling down the pillar of form. The hanged man. Ooh, kitty, careful. I just do not want her to step on my keyboard right now. Okay, you just sit there. Yeah, right. (laughs) You're good. Okay. So the hanged man, you know, um, in terms of like this idea of realization, I I think of him in terms of like, as you were saying in Tabula Mundi with your Odin myth, you know, the self-sacrifice of seeing through the illusions, seeing through to the infrastructure, seeing the secrets of how the world works being devoted to to that practice of understanding the Mm. reality beneath the surface. And Um, looking mm -hmm. at things from a different perspective, you know, the hanged man's upside down. He's taking time to to reconsider things in their own time. 
Yeah. And when we think about the hanged man, his head is in hood, right? And his feet are up in the divine. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, he's literally trying to work it out with his head. And then the devil, you know, to me, the devil kind of represents a different kind of understanding of how systems work and being able to manipulate them. You know, mm. he, he is the lord of the gates of matter, and he has that special position out of Hode, between Hode and the upper Sephirot, right? Where he's in charge of all those distortions of the upper world that we receive down here in Hode, as well as like, there's something about the devil as being the card of the eye, you know, the, the perception filter mm-hmm. being, being somehow diabolical. Yeah. And, and there's, uh, there's also a connection with, I think of the devil as one aspect of, you know, there's like this masculine triad of the magician and the devil and the hermit. Mm. Kind of, they're all like aspects of each other in some ways, the masculine, divine, masculine energy. I see that. Yeah. And they're all mercurial in their own way, although normally you wouldn't think of the devil as mercurial, but he really is. I mean, he really is on the Rider Waite Smith with the hermaphrodite devil, you know, not only that, but also all knowledge gods are devils, too. Right. And you know, the yes. Hermes is our knowledge god, but every knowledge god, whether it's Prometheus or Lucifer or whoever, is represented as a villain at some level, you know, as a as a as a demonic mm-hmm. figure from the point of view of the um you know, the authority in charge. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Whoever that may be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, yeah, exactly. I think something about Hode as knowledge and culture really helps to unpack the devil as not, you know, as a, as a card that is negative or positive solely depending on how you look at it, as opposed to be, being inherently right. evil, which a lot of people, especially coming from Rider Waite, tend to see it as. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, it reminds me of that other knowledge God that, you know, we didn't mention in, when we were talking earlier, the mm-hmm. Anki, Lord mm-hmm. of the Sacred Eye. Yeah. You know, he was yeah. very much a, a precursor to the Lucifer or the um, tempter in the Garden of Eden serpent myth. Yeah, for sure. And also the idea that, like, carnal knowledge, right, which is something that Christianity is quite uncomfortable with, whereas, you know, the male and female are literally mm. united in Hermes. Uh, then we have the Tower, which we've talked about before. There's uh, that tension between the needs of the individual in Netzach and the needs of everybody in Hode, the needs of the group, and that there. The oh, I, I would mm-hmm. say that's the other way around. I mm. would, I would put. The well, yes, I know what Netzach, you're talking about. The individual consciousness of the mind in Hode. <laughs> well, yes, well, I know what you're you talking know. about. Yeah, I think in the sense that Hode, um, Hode is a system sephirot that you know that kind of creates an infrastructure for the co- for the community for the group whereas netzach is an inspirational yeah, okay. structure so yeah i see what you mean in consciousness in terms of consciousness They're intimately entwined yeah. right in terms of consciousness yeah right right in terms of consciousness for sure i i see netzach as being the group consciousness and hold the individual but those concepts themselves are intertwined. And I think the tower really represents the tension between individual and group. The idea that what you do on your own behalf is not always good for everybody. And (laughs) vice versa, yeah. Right. And even the very concept of warfare is the idea of what's good for me cannot possibly be good for you. Right. There's something like that. The idea of warfare, the idea of Mars, the, the idea of strife between people in the tower. And then the sun. I think of both the sun and the devil as being different aspects of 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 reason right you know i mean the sun of illumination is li- illumination right? exactly exactly of shining a light on things of it's so weird mm-hmm. that that the sun is the path between mercury hode and yesod the moon isn't it <laughs> yeah but yeah for it's sure it's almost like the con- consciousness and un- subconsciousness like i kind of think of the sun as like the light you know that mm-hmm. next to them it's a hard thing to phrase but you get what i'm trying to say i get what you're trying to say <laughs> yeah. yeah the sun is resh the head oh know? yeah that's right yeah 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 i can't believe i forgot to say that right yeah yeah lying there right next to the sphere of reason 
Duh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then the eon is in terms of code being a sphere of realization. Well, what's the point of realization if you're not going yeah. to make it real in Malkut? Right. <laughs> so that path between Hode and Malkut is that literal birth of the new, um, which you see yeah, in the Yeah, and that mm -hmm. seeing of a bigger picture, like I always... I always find the Aeon or Eon card really expansive in terms of seeing larger cycles going on. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely something about the shift, in, them. the shift in perspective that allows you to see the big picture there, both in judgment and in yes. Eon. Mm -hmm. Getting the, um, yep. getting beyond the mundane concerns to seeing how the larger system works, how, how reality yeah, itself Mercury, works. Really. I mean, Mercury is, the ruler as we know of both Gemini and Virgo. And those are both signs that are like Virgo is known for caring for small things and, and mm -hmm. details. And, and, and Gemini is known for like flitting from detail to detail and kind exactly. of, in a Eon is like the seeing the forest instead of the trees, I guess of, yeah. of Gemini yeah. and, and Virgo. Which somebody's got to do. I saw this funny tweet yeah. the other day where someone said, Gemini privilege is studying for the test for exactly one minute and acing it. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that. I don't know what that's like. I'm not, I don't have any Gemini whatsoever. I was thinking about how, <laughs> how for, for Virgo, it's like studying for the test and then studying for eight more hours because you got dragged down some wormhole. <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. I have enough Virgo oh, to relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shall we talk about uh, minors, eight minors, or yeah. four minors that are eights? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, so we have the eight of wands. Oh, what is what is it that uh, Crowley says about eights? Oh, yeah. He says it has the same inherent defects because it's off the middle middle pillar and low on the tree, but it's a remedy for the seventh error, a reaction against the mischief. <laughs> he also says something about Mercury being unexpected, always having a mercurial unexpected quality, which is not something I usually mm -hmm. use for eights, but just kind of struck me as interesting in terms of, at least in terms of the like electric qualities of the Eight of Wands, I can see that. Eight of Wands is definitely some, for me, it's something unexpected as in, you know, an unexpected idea like, you know, we've talked about in that episode of the, the brilliant light bulb mm -hmm. moments and things like that, that are associated, you know, the mm -hmm. idea that comes to you. Flash of insight. Or whatever. Yeah. I found a quote in Wang, and I'm not sure where he got it from, I, but I wrote it down because I, I thought it kind of was interesting. And it said the eights are about solitary success, for example, success in the time being, but not leading to much result apart from the thing itself. Yeah. And that's I've kind of that like too. the eight of wands. You know, you get the idea of success in the time being, but it's fleeting and there's no result. You just got the idea. You didn't do anything yet. You might even lose the right. idea if you don't, like, write it down or whatever. <laughs> right, <laughs> Save right. it for later. Put it on your to-do list or, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think Crowley calls it energy at its most exalted and tenuous. You know, so mm -hmm. there's no there's yes. no substance to it. The um, weight says... And that's the Mercury card of these mm -hmm. four. That's the one that... Who, Right. It's interesting because that's the card that has. Um, oh yeah, that's the cabalistic double, the double one because mm -hmm. the Deccan ruler mm -hmm. is yep. Mercury. But you know the other, the only one that's the oddball out is the Eight of Cups because the other two, the Eight of Swords is a Gemini card, so that's kind of yeah. a double. And yeah. the Eight of um, Pentacles or Discs is a Virgo card, so that's kind of doubly mercurial. But it's that um, eight, eight of, of cups. cups that's kind of like the. Uh, and it's the odd uh, one out that in fact it's opposite the worst of the four really yeah it's the counter yeah. because and it's pisces pisces where mercury has fallen as well yeah so yeah. what wait says of the eight of wands is that they're they're drawing to the term the thing is about to happen and this is something that's so funny uh well who was i talking you know at the northwest terrace symposium i was looking at an eight of wands with someone and they were really irritated because the eight of wands was going up <laughs> the, uh, you know the wands are traveling upward rather than about to about to reach the destination yeah. which seems to be you know the imminence and the immediacy and the anticipation of the eight of wands is really core to that card i think um and then the yep. eight of cups the Speedy delivery <laughs> express delivery yeah um <laughs> then the eight of cups the so-called apex of unpleasantness 
Yeah, that's definitely the worst eight, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's the worst one because it's got this feeling of like, I don't know, short-sightedness. Mm. You know, you, you're not even trying. You just, you know, the the whole abandoned success thing. You're, you're discontent and you're not even going to bother doing anything about it, you know? Yeah. It's an icky feeling, I think. True. On the other hand, Waite calls it deserting the cups of his previous concern. I I find this card to be very helpful in terms of getting rid of what you no longer need. It's like the realization that this is no longer working, you know, and as unpleasant as it is, you got to do it. And this is a card I see all the time for clients who, you know, it's high time they just up and left, you know, without experiencing that feeling of stagnation, you don't have the motivation to get going where you need to go, I think. But uh, the, that sense of being lost and confused that Saturn Saturn leaves you in the labyrinth and in the dark. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see that it can be it could be helpful in that way. Yeah, and weirdly, Still, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty unpleasant. But I get that card so much on on Thursdays one because it's Pisces, but also for swimming, which. <laughs> Go figure, you know, so it doesn't, Ew. it's not always terrible. <laughs> I wouldn't want to swim in that water. No, you but wouldn't want to swim in the water. water in the seven. It's, it's not that bad. And then the eight of swords. Shortened force or Shortened force, yeah, which weight describes as temporary durance, uh, more of temporary durance, something you have to endure, than of irretrievable bondage. So like mm. the other eights, there is a I'll quality of a mutable quality to it, you know, of not being stuck forever, but definitely being stuck. What is yeah, it that the temporary snag thing that we yeah. talked about in the eight of yeah. swords episode? I yeah, called it the snagged bobbin. The snagged bobbin, <laughs> for sure. Crowley focuses on the Jupiter qualities and says it's the error of being good natured when being good natured is disastrous. I guess it's means- interesting too, like the mm-hmm. idea of Jupiter as fortune, and like this is like kind of a narrowing. Somehow, this shortened force is like cutting cutting off fortune somehow, like a narrowing of options because of these unexpected snags that that come up or something. Well, yeah, I mean, I think about it as you know, I've always thought about it as that collision between fortune and free will is represented by the lovers. Like, what if you stick a sword in a bicycle wheel? <laughs> You know, what happened? You get an interference with the flow of fortune, of the flow of the wheel, and you have right. to just wait till you fix right. it. Right. Somehow that flow of fortune is being cut off a little. Mm-hmm. Not permanently, but... Not permanently. Right. The thing that's going to make it worse is trying to force your way forward when that's not appropriate at the time, mm. which is often the case with this card. And then right. um, Prudence, Eight of Discs or Pentacles, my natal decan, love that card, if... If his resources are sufficient, he beats the market, Crowley says. Of a, He's describing the aid of discs as a financier and that his gift is time. If he can gain time, um, because the discs, of course, are the slowest of all four, then mm-hmm. he will it will increase and thrive. Yeah, definitely yeah. the card of accruing interest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that idea of... Profits you can realize is what I th- what I think about that. You know, if you just wait, there's definitely a quality of observation to the eights, like where you have to see what you're dealing with in order to profit. We talked a little bit about how eights are the central decan for knights or kings, and mm, oh, right. yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that that's that's interesting because it's sort of like um, the, this is the impulse of mutable signs, right? To try and make everything into a system and understand it before you move on to collect it and kind of understand how things work. And I think, you know, the knight or king in his leadership role really needs to do that. He needs to understand the workings of things, Mm -hmm. um, in order to get to the, uh, the magical point of the nine and be able to benefit others. Yeah. It's interesting that the knight's weakness is the emotional realm where his strengths are more the um mm. you know he yeah hates. yeah there's like an awareness that the there's traps in the emotional realm that systems can yeah. overcome yeah I'm, I'm looking at sort of you know neither for the seven or eight did i ever really get many you know two of them at once that's happened a few times but not enough to sort of make a theory out of it but i notice and when i draw eights there's definitely qualities of trying to work the systems, whether it's like 
in Eight of Wands having kind of online meetings and meeting with people virtually, the Eight of Swords kind of trying to deal with system failures and how to fix them. And Eight of Discs is a real sort of like working with the systems of the soil, planting things, um, getting... Yeah, um, on one level, yeah. every one of the eights is is somehow about ideas or calculations. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, it's like the giant filing cabinet of the Tree of Life. <laughs> right. All right. I think we might have got it. I think we might have covered what we have to cover. All right. So some of the themes we've talked about is uh, eight or hode as the um, sphere of ideas and intellect, the presence of Hermes in many, many different ways, magical arts, the truthfulness splen- and falsehood. The trap of the intellect is, yeah, yeah. Both, it's a, it's both a gift yeah. and a trap, for sure. The illusion of order, same thing. Uh, Apollo versus Dionysus. Yeah, I mean, without the seven, the magician of the eight is an armchair magician, <laughs> <laughs> right? You right. know, just reading, the, reading yeah. it in the book and going, oh, I get this. Yeah, you know, yeah, not emotionally experiencing, right. Right. Abstraction, internal maps, language itself, symbols, Mm. humility, divination through signs, those kinds of things, organization, and the filing cabinet of reality. All right. I guess that's a wrap for us for uh, for the eight. And we're kind of getting there, aren't we? Just nine and ten left to go. Yep. All right, so we will be back with you next time for the Magical Mystical Nines. Hang in there and see you then. And that's our show for today. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, where you'll also find new episode announcements and loads of extra articles and visuals, which will help you follow along with the show. If you appreciate what Mel and I have done here at Fortunes Wheelhouse, please consider leaving us a five-star reviewer rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. And if you'd like to support the making of this podcast and gain access to all the member perks that come with that, please consider becoming a patron at any level you like by visiting www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. You can also explore Fortune's Wheelhouse gear like t-shirts, tote bags, coffee mugs, and more by checking out our Redbubble shop. That's at www.redbubble.com slash people slash wheelhouse93 slash shop. Mel's beautiful books, decks, and prints can be found at tarotcart.com and my book, Tarot Cases, Astrological Perfumes, and Online Tarot Class can be found at tsusanchang.com. Treat yourself to the tarot gift you've always wanted. Because you are a hero of the astral plane, and we so appreciate your support.